promises. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, hello, everyone. Welcome to Penny for a Tale uh, talks about optimization. Uh, my name is Mitchell. I'm the host of the show and moderator of discussion. Um, some things to note uh, before we kind of jump into everything uh, is that Monday we are playing Lexicultum, a 18th century game uh, by Riot Minds. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and then Tuesday... Um, we got nothing else. So actually, it was just that Monday. Uh, I keep thinking it's Tuesday, but it's not. Maybe I'll make it something. I shouldn't, though. Um, <clears throat> in any case, uh, we'll go on to uh, our first guest, and he will introduce himself. Hi, everyone. I'm Joe Perry, uh, affectionately or semi-affectionately or not affectionately known as Gaming Satan. Um, I've been you know, playing tabletops, running LARPs, all of it for just about a decade now. Um, in my real life, I'm a cybersecurity expert, so I really just... Stick to numbers there, too. Hi, I'm Mr. Smith. I've been gaming for nigh on 30-some-odd years, running LARPs, tabletops, playing in all manner of things. I, too, am a cybersecurity expert. I can read my musings and security philosophy as well as scotch and coffee at IamMrSmith.com. Hi, folks. My name is Jacob. I've been doing various gamings for uh, about the last decade. Currently, I'm mostly involved in running collaborative uh, Pogo LARPs uh, with Joe here. Uh, in my free time, I am a graduate student studying physics, which mostly means I write code that doesn't work and then shout at it and then drink. Cheers. Hi, I'm April. I uh, also have been in various sorts of games for over 10 years now, and um, I, do, I do accounting work, so numbers, 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 and for my hobby, numbers, numbers, numbers. Yeah, and I, I, just, I just do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so today we are going to be talking about optimization in uh, tabletop role-playing uh, games, as well as LARPs, because they're kind of, uh, at least in, in the way that you approach is similar things. Um, for the most part, I'm going to be moderating, um, so I'm not going to say much, uh, but I'll be asking questions. Um, I, I am not, like, committed to that, so we'll see, we'll see. Um, any case, uh, as a general, the rules are always respect each other. You guys are all friends. Uh, so that's awesome. Um, you can curse on here as much as you want though, because we are a mature channel. Um, uh, I could not do it any other way. Fucking uh, yeah, we are. Fucking yeah. Let's <laughs> soak up that PG-13 rating and just go right up to R. Um, all right. So <clears throat> the first question I have, uh, for everyone, uh, to help us define everything what are the differences between a min-maxer and an optimizer? And is there a difference? Who so, go ahead, Joe. Cool. Um, there's not, really. The, the key difference between a min-maxer and an optimizer is whether you like the person you're talking about. And, and there is a lot to be said, and we will probably have a lot to say about the attitudes of people who are often described as min-maxers. Um, you know, you get into the... the absurd epithet of nerdball that we can take down in a little while but the concepts of people who have very distinct focuses to people might argue the detriment of the game 
but yeah, the core of the question, a min-maxer or an optimizer or just someone who's good at mechanics, they're the same person depending on your relationship with them. I uh, 100% agree with Joe. Um, I think the, the nomenclature is really about whether you're jiving someone, whether you're close friends with them, whether you dislike their, their play style. Um, ultimately, though, it's all about understanding the rule set and maximizing, optimizing that character build to meet that rule set. However you want to call them, that's what they are. I would chime in, and I would also say that uh, I always approach the mechanics of the character that I'm building from a perspective of what I'm trying to do with that character, how they're fitting into the game, how they're fitting into the story that I want to tell. People are min-max. I am very good at doing math and breaking games and very bad at selling people on things. When I'm constructing a character, when I'm trying to put this person together, I can't do it without a sheet, without considering what am I very good at, what do I struggle at, and optimizing that character is part of how they become real to me. Um, optimizing someone is min-maxing them, is figuring out where do I excel, where do I struggle, and building a story around that. Um, to chime in, uh, locally we actually had different ways to uh, call different character sheets. Uh, in Specifically in the LARP setting we had a, the min-max character sheet, is what we called one and we called the magic number theories the other for example uh the magic number theory is i would like to play pve so i'm going to build for certain mechanics and and have certain numbers because i only need x amount of number like this numbers to reach one success which is all i need to get what i want out of plot whereas a min max it is what we would use to call a person who did pve now, more frequently in the current setting of things socially, the difference between min-maxer and optimization is how you want to paint that person, going back to what Joe said. So that is the only addition I had to that. Awesome. To, uh, to comment on uh, what Jacob said, um, I, well, I, I, I agree with his perspective. I think um, it becomes a problem with the community consent of that character build. And by that, I mean, um, if you if you were creating a character, and this has been largely um, exemplified through LARP because it's really difficult to capitalize on social interactions, social mechanics in LARP, uh, particularly with the common LARPs of Because those social mechanics aren't, I mean, they're defined-ish, but no one ever plays them out. And so if you want to create that social character, um, at least from what I've seen, or, or I guess how I've perceived, you seem to have to have the physical backing, which kind of throws off that idea of optimizing for social. I don't disagree. Um, I think it's, uh, I think there's a fundamental problem especially in LARP but also to a degree in tabletop where 
uh, social mechanics between other players are always going to feel unsatisfying. Uh, I can believe that Dice decided that my sword hit my enemy or that my spell failed, but Dice will not convince me that my character has been persuaded not to do something they want to do. And so we have to, eventually we have to make a decision. Do we care more about our own suspension of disbelief with regards to our internal motivations, or do we care about every aspect of the game being modeled on a fair mechanical system? And pretty often social mechanics get thrown out. And I think that um, is a reasonable dividing line if you're going to call someone out as a min-maxer versus calling someone an optimizer. Is that um, that line in which they're willing to suspend disbelief in order to role-play something that their character wouldn't do because the system, by all accounts, has persuaded that character to do that thing versus them not wanting to because it's not a part of their character so avatar, what, their concept. What I would say to that, though, is that there's really, there, there are two aspects to what's going on. Most people, even people who would be called a min-maxer or an optimizer, won't contest to, for example, in Vampire, a dominate command, or won't contest in Pathfinder to, like, a hold person or even a charm person. I think the problem exists because though people want social mechanics to define your beliefs whereas good mechanics only define your behaviors so it's okay if my character is forced to do a thing if you say kill that person and that person's a close friend of my characters that's a heightened drama that's a that's a conflict that you have the ability to compel this action but i am conflicted about it even you know when you look at socialization powers as they often do exist for example persuasion um, in, in vampire you see you know, you can entrance someone, you can force them to behave as a friend to you, and even to some extent to perceive you in the best way possible, but there's never actually some compulsion there where you like a person. You can't be forced to believe something about your character that's not true. You can totally be forced to take action against your character's best interests. That's what most mechanics are, but it's, in, it's key to understand that distinction there, that the character you made can't be wiped away with a roll of the dice. And I, I like that sort of conflict there. As someone who I do prefer to settle things mechanically wherever possible, I also like the idea that no one, you can kill my character, but you can never take that character away from me based on something to do with random numbers. Yeah, I don't, and I don't think, uh, uh, I wasn't pointing to the idea that you fundamentally shift the character's belief unless the scene itself sort of called for that level of drama that you as a player were like, oh, that was legit. I think my character now believes something different. I think any social interaction, whether it's supernatural-based, superpowers, magic, or even just a simple social role succeeds, um, is all about just changing that behavior for that moment. Um, although maybe the, maybe your, your non-supernatural social skill is more of, of belief. Um, but yeah, I, I, I definitely understand the distinction between behavior versus belief in, in that sort of deep-seated character sense. April, did you have uh, something to say? Uh, yes. 
on the matter of social mechanics, I think a large, um, a large part of the issue, at least for me, when it comes to mundane social mechanics and uh, people using them like bricks uh, or sledgehammers, for lack of a better term, is, is it really comes down to a fundamental thing for all LARPs, all RPGs, all tabletops, and all gaming in general is you have to set expectations. Setting expectations for what kind of game you're playing will actually, in my opinion, take the hurt off of character optimization because when you set the expectation of uh, what we do for social mechanics is you're in control of your character. You have to do this thing. Here is a way that you know you could uh, enunciate that and help that. A lot of people lose that, and we I think a lot of STs, DMs, uh, GMs, any anything you want, whoever is running the game needs to be the reminder for players is you people can use uh, social mechanics as a brick, but it is up to you to set the proper expectations with your players in the first place because uh, the whole this the whole fundamental concept of this podcast in my oh sorry in this uh, twitch stream is that uh, the talk of why character optimization it, whether or not it makes you a good or a bad player and in my opinion any larp any tabletop anything worth its salt you set expectations at the very beginning and it makes the whole conversation of what makes a bad player less about mechanics and more about people. I agree with that for the most part, um, but I will say that I think there's a problem in a lot of the culture of wanting to take that and use it to try and uh, blanket ban what is seen as optimization. Um, and I think that, you know, if you want to do that for your game, I'm not going to be able to stop you. But I think that games lose a lot when mechanics are de-emphasized. Um, I've, I've always felt that, that mechanics play an enormously important role in defining limitations, in creating tension and in grounding the world in a shared sense of consequence and reality. Setting expectations is absolutely the golden rule in, in all games. 99% of problems happen when players come in without understanding the expectations the game has of them. But I also think that it's, I, I, I get concerned when I see people try and turn around and use that to say, okay, expectation set. Min-maxing is bad in this game. I, so, uh, I would have vehemently disagreed with you seven years ago. And uh, since actually knowing you guys for the last six years, which actually surprised me. Wow. Yeah. 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 It's been, it's been crazy. Um, no. And 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 I distinctly recall having this exact same conversation pretty much the first game I met you guys at. Uh, so yeah, I, I would have vehemently disagreed with the idea that mechanics are 
required for a system. And even now, to some extent, I don't think they are, but that sort of goes into that underlying factor of communication first, right? So if you set aside the communication first portion, I think we all agree that understanding your audience is critical, right? So there's, there's that. I think that, that uh, a fundamental part of mechanics play rules play, I guess, is it throws away some of the mystery that can happen in a story because you were so at my perception, rules players, mechanics players tend to be so aware of every aspect of the rule system. There's no surprise that can happen within that story that creates the sense of drama that I'm personally used to. Um, so, so for years, I, I always expected that the DM would, or, or, you know, the game master would adjust some aspect of a monster or, you know, maybe a particular uh, uh, spell or thing wouldn't quite work the same way because of a dramatic moment. Uh, and, it, and so there would be that subtle difference in the, the rules of the world for that moment because cinematically it, it had a weight to the narrative. Um, now, I say that my opinion has changed because I had that same belief regardless of whether you had four people around a table or 400 people sitting in a room playing vampire, right? And now I under, I, I've come to understand, thanks to the logic, the necessity to normalize the rules of the world to make sure that everyone plays on an equal playing field. I think it's got, I think that perspective has some cons, but I understand the pros in order to make things organized for large play. I, I am actually glad that you addressed um, a, a note there. It's something I was kind of hoping would get brought up. The, the idea of mystery in a game and, and deep knowledge of mechanics taking away mystery. I, I've had this that conversation with people before, and what I try to point out is, you know, quite probably the best written mystery ever are the Sherlock Holmes novels. And what's key about those novels is at the end, it's not an absurd twist. It's not a twist that's beyond reason. It's a twist that makes you as the reader say, oh, because of and all of the oh my and it's it's a revelatory moment you know i i reach back to to the hitchcockian you know the bomb under the table if i am aware of all of the facts that could be and i i'm not shocked by some sudden twist that doesn't make logical sense to me it's a much more impactful moment when i get to you know one of my favorite things to do as a storyteller i i pride myself on having a very deep knowledge of the system better than i would say probably almost anyone i've ever met it's, I can use my knowledge of these mechanics with cosmetic changes, which is something you address and I think people should do more of. I think we need to agree on how physics works in the universe, but if you want to use lightning bolt, but it looks like a fireball, that's great. That's thematic elements that are important to control. But, but my thing is that I love using mechanics with nothing more than a cosmetic change to create mystery for the players who do who understand those mechanics and the players who don't because if i'm a player who understands the mechanics and you do something that is logically possible in the world but doesn't make sense based on my understanding of the world when we come full circle and you reveal how it was done that's a revelatory moment for me that's a moment where i, I enjoy the previous i get to retrospectively enjoy that story with a greater depth and understanding and i think there is a great deal of mystery that can come 
from a deeper knowledge of the rules. Now, I will also say, and I will admit freely, that doesn't happen all the time. A lot of times when a storyteller who maybe doesn't know the rules as well is like, here's a mysterious creature. And we're like, oh, cool, that's horrid form, but he's got the skin thing, neat. And I get that that's a problem for newer storytellers. And obviously we get back to the, what are the expectations for this game and that sort of thing. Um, but it is worth, it is reasonable to note that you can't set the expectations that I won't know what you're doing. That's not really a logical expectation to set. So I see why people have that concern, but I think that it's based on a false understanding of how mystery can be written. I think also that uh, one of the places that setting expectations is very useful is in my experience, most of the players who really pride themselves on optimization will absolutely respond positively and with understanding to a DM or a storyteller saying, hey, guys, I get that you love the mechanics here. I don't. So I'm going to stick by the rules. And you guys can play the characters you want to, but you should not expect me to try to challenge you with these mechanics. I'm not going to be able to shock you. I'm not going to create mystery here. And if you're okay with that, we can move forwards. I think a lot of storytellers, though, are afraid of doing something like that because it just naturally creates a somewhat condescending relationship between that storyteller and that player. It's kind of hard to look at the storyteller and be like, you are the god of reality. Also, I'm pretty confident you don't know how to put a table together. Like, that's, that's a challenge in that relationship between the storyteller and the player. Yeah. I also feel that as a storyteller, you shouldn't have to re rely on the customization of mechanics to tell a true mystery and to tell a true story. If, I mean, if we're talking about LARP here, some of the greatest uh, mystery reveals are purely non-mechanics. Uh, I mean, that can also be debated, but in my opinion, some of the best part of the story that we play in, the game that we play in, are the story elements that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with customized mechanics. It is finding out that this person is actually a Diablerist, a mechanic that exists, for example, and finding out the reasons. And, the, it, and it really relies on, if you are feeling helpless with mechanics, uh, you should take a step back and say, what does this story accomplish? And you can always fall back to writing because even if even if you know you don't feel confident in your mechanics, you can always write out your story first and then sit down and read the book. Sit down and write the logical book, the thing that we all know as the physics of the universe to be a part of this. And you yes, I agree 100 percent that aesthetically changing things that physically exist it is a part of that is a part, an important part of the narrative but at the at at the very core of what an st's job is it is to tell a story and that story doesn't have to break the universe to be good so i largely like i obviously i'm not going to take an anti-mechanic side here and i think you made really good points there i will say that uh there are some mysteries some of the deeper better mysteries that are made much harder by mechanics, particularly, um, you know, the game for those watching, we keep we obviously are going to keep referencing Vampire because that's yeah. the narrative that we've all shared uh, together the longest. 
Um, but when you're looking at Vampire the Masquerade, particularly uh, the new BNS version, which I love, and I say is probably tied with Symbarum is the most well-designed one book system I've ever experienced. Marvelous rules, absolutely marvelous for that book. Um, but at the same time, there are there are stories that are made harder by the cleverness of those mechanics. It's very hard to impersonate a member of another clan effectively. If the members of that clan are, you know, genre savvy, which is a hard expectation to set that they not be, you know, if, if I'm hosting a Gangrel gathering, I'm going to run down the list of Gangrel merits and run down the list of Gangrel in clans, and I'm going to require you to prove to me a logically unfalsifiable number of those things. And obviously, you know, a lot of storytellers will set the expectation like you won't do that, but that's a rough expectation to keep to. It's, it's very frustrating to, to essentially mentally hobble a character on something that you as a player are good at and you just have to decide not to be. It, that, in a lot of ways, ruins that mystery as well. So yeah. I think that there is a perspective of there are good stories that are impossible to do with some rules, or even if they're not impossible to do, if you're a player or a storyteller who's not deeply mechanical, you're going to have a problem pulling the wool over the eyes of someone who is. You know, we had someone impersonate a Nosferatu in our local cam game. She made it 40 minutes. We didn't even talk in character. She made it 40 minutes. I was like, oh, that's a fucking Toreador. She goofed. Like, and that's, that's something that's very challenging to get past. So I don't want to act like, like, I don't want this to turn into just, we all agree with each other and the people with these problems are wrong because that's a legitimate problem. There's yeah. also just the base level, uh, I design a mystery around a body in a room and I forget that there's a power that tells me how bodies die. And now I know, and now we skip to the end of that mystery. What were we about to say, April? Uh, yes. Uh, what Jacob uh, said highlights a problem of a system that I am playing, but it's not necessarily... Look, it, is, it involves vampire, but, the, but mages <laughs> in the Chronicles of Darkness have a lot of mechanics, and you're... It is very stressful for STs who are not mechanic savvy to deal with that. And I think that I, I honestly believe that I will never be the person who can solve that problem because I've had many STs go to me and say, how do I fix a fate mage? How do I fix a plot around a fate mage when their powers are? So tell me what to do to solve this thing. So uh I, that is something that i empathize with what you brought up because there are a lot of mechanics that are very unfair to us and i will say just for the record if you're someone who you know whether or not you pride yourself on mechanics but you played the chronicles of darkness mage game and found yourself intimidated by those mechanics you're right. <laughs> it's fucking hard. Like the first Jacob ran the game for like three that seconds. That's some insane shit. Yeah. We're just he and I with like charts and like a whiteboard full of math and the book. Like it was it was a nightmare. And we finally learned the rules of the game. But like I can't. I think it, it, it's a friend of ours from DC. I won't name on the stream because I don't know if they'd be happy with that. But he came to me and he's like, "Hey Joe, I'm trying to run this mage game, and I don't know how anything works. What should I do?" And I was like. Don't worry about it, because your players fucking won't either. <laughs> you just say, hey, like, 
probably, man. There's four appendices. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for the tirade, but that game, <laughs> holy, that game is accounting. <laughs> when there is a mechanic to upgrade from one chart to another, you have too many charts. How <laughs> specifically calls out charts? <laughs> I feel like I shouldn't have brought up Mage. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, Mage is a prime example. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mage is one of those systems where you can you can not be an optimizer and you can probably still be pretty good at it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my character was the best at talking to animals. I remember that. Mage is, Mage is also sort of one of the, the places where the mechanics go to such an extreme that the storyteller is just sort of explicitly allowed to make up their own mechanics. This is true. Is that... There is, there are like five mechanics written down in which the storyteller just gets to do whatever they want. Even in the last version of Age, I was running a convention game with like 60 players. We start a combat and I was like, all right, if you're in this room and you have a power that says you go first before anyone else, no matter what, please raise your hand. And the guy in front of me was like, there are no powers like that. And 16 people raised <laughs> their right, You guys come to the front and we're going to hash out which one really but so to to pull it back to what we were what we were sort of discussing the reason that i don't have a problem with that and not to speak for anyone else but the the reason that a lot of the people that i've played with don't have a problem with that aspect of the storytellers making things up is because that's a defined part of the set the the game was designed the rules were designed with the idea in mind that when encountering this creature or going to this place or fighting this kind of antagonist that you are supposed to expect a certain level of st hand on the scales there's going to be some fuckery that is part of managing setting and player expectations just as much as maintaining the the sense of uh i mean we we keep talking about rules in the term that i prefer which is the the shared sense of the laws of physics we all agree on the rules of our game well when mages get involved physics. get broken I think what um, uh, what I have done in my Chronicles of Darkness games is, and there's a lot of people who play mages who are play players who do optimize characters because they decided they enjoy mage, and it. I mean, you don't necessarily. I if you enjoy Chronicles of Darkness mage, then at some level, at some level of you, in my opinion enjoys character optimization but that's my opinion but you um what we have done is front page. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. i didn't mean to cut it <laughs> oh no you're fine um what we have done is we've had players who have magic that does genuinely bite through plot all those players are very good at would you like me to use this in which spells would you like me to use and i think it's it's also a matter of communication with the STs because um, sometimes the way to handle this, it handle plots in general is to not be that guy. And sometimes there's a way 
do that, which is just be upfront about the ST, about declaring your trees at the beginning. Because if the world works the same for everyone, declare your trees. And, and I agree with that to some extent. I think it kind of goes back to, I think it's very common among players like most, you know, like we are, who, who optimize. It's very common to be used to that relationship. But from the perspective of a storyteller, I can tell you it feels very condescending to have a player like, uh, is it okay with you if I beat you? Or a plot that you just spent six months on? So yeah, someone just have to beg, just ask. Someone just brought it up in the comments. Uh, so I, if no one has any objection, I actually have a, a non-confrontational uh, version of, of this story that sort of illustrates how how investment can be can be broken. Um, I was playing in a mage game, and I was not uh, super involved because this was in a, a large connected chronicle, and so I was only playing online, and there weren't a lot of friends that I had playing it with me. So being a physics nerd, I decided to sit down and see what weirdness I could play around with physics. And I realized that if you took a specific... I don't even remember what the special kind of mage is. A specific legacy group and took a certain combination of spells. Uh, it was very possible to fly to the moon. Um, and there were a lot of ideas in the mage setting about the difference uh, in how magic would work off of Earth. So I scoured the books. And I confirmed that there was nothing in any published rule that made a conclusive determination about how magic worked outside of the Earth. I wrote up what I wanted to do to fly to the moon, and I sent it as an email to the storyteller with a heading saying, I understand that this is probably a stupid idea, and if you write back with nothing more than you try to do this and your character dies, immediately with no saving throw as soon as they leave the earth i'm cool with that and that's what happens and instead what they wrote back was i don't think that works and i said well i here's the rules that i laid out here are some of the quotes from the book that say why what i've laid out should work not necessarily whether i survive once i make it there but why the base level reasoning worked and he said well i'm not allowing that because i don't think that works and that was the second that i was finished with that character because never again did i ever feel interest or investment in what i could do with them and i think that is an example of uh, long-standing underlying um disconnect between the the quote-unquote role players versus the rules players right is that you know is that is that interpretation of the rule set and it it's unfair to both sides and i think it has caused I th actually i mean it's really why we're here right now is because of that sort of fundamental communication disconnect on on how how the classic and not so classic role players perceive the mechanics uh, mechanical usage and optimization and min-maxers and, and whatnot. I mean, I remember, you know, 20 years ago, LARPing, and I would look at, at, at optimizers and go, oh, God, those, those damn min-maxers. Rules lawyers just going to come in here, put some random esoteric rule, 
and ruin my my parlor LARP scene. And you guys did, damn it. Every single one of you ruined my scene. <laughs> no, and so, you know, it took some growing up and it took some realization and understanding and empathy, really, to, to uh, see the, the, the perspective of optimizers. Um, again, I don't, I will wholly say that I don't agree with, with everything about optimization. I, I, I still have this sort of fundamental belief that there is a, a disrupt to the narrative that can occur. And, and Joe outlined some of that in terms of, you know, there are stories you cannot tell with this, with certain systems. And I don't, inherently, I don't think that's fair. It is what it is. Um, I just wish, I just wish there, the, the, that communication would ultimately just get better mainly between the role player to the rules player. Cause I think the rules player to the role player is pretty straightforward. It's like, I can do this thing. So your plot better be ready. I think the idea that uh, people <laughs> using role player versus rules player or story player versus rules player is insane. Um, mostly because uh, in this, in a recent game that I am playing, several people have uh, approached me and they're like, I'm really happy that you decided to become a flavor player and a story player and that you started caring about story. And I'm really glad to see that you have converted. And a lot of people recently said that to me and I'm like, really? Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know what that means, uh, <laughs> but uh, I think that that inherent the idea that people continue to use that is why we're having this to begin with because it comes to a fundamental breakdown of communication when you set expectations sorry i will stop with the setting expectations but when you communicate with other players and when you continue to play in the same game as them putting titles on players putting names like optimization putting role player versus rules players is what pushes people apart and continues to divide people and it's not divisive for the game it's not doing anything besides creating more conflict instead of asking what can be what can i do because i am frustrated because joe brought in a fate mage and serendipity says he enters whatever number in his phone and he calls the plot and I'm upset about this. Or he uses a, a spell in D&D that was from the Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica. Or he, and I wasn't prepared for that. Or it just any number of things that, you know, people aren't prepared for. Instead of focusing on what can be done with those frustrations, we're focusing on, well, why are they not bad people? Why are we continuing to use these things to divide people? So... <laughs> I, so well <clears throat> it is a it is a social problem for the nerd of our time um and to be honest it's a it's a social problem going back as far as i can remember in the grand scheme i think you're always going to have those sort of identifiers within the gaming community at least in terms <coughs> excuse me at least in terms of you know rpgs tabletops larps and what have you just because uh, I believe, I mean, yeah, I firmly believe there, there is that divide between how much you focus and worried about the character build versus how much you're focused and worried about 
how you play that character <clears throat> in the world that's presented to you. And uh, so before we, we dig further into that, Mitchell, I was under the impression you had questions. Yeah, yeah, but I, I am I am way more interested in just kind of the flow of it. Uh, so, I mean, if we wanted to, to bring it back just to kind of uh, slide along my questions and then obviously go back on, on to what we were discussing, um, we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll attempt that. Uh, so my second question is... <laughs> <laughs> Number two. Number two. Um so uh, what are the good things associated with optimization and what are the challenges that are associated with it? Uh, I mean, you know, for me, uh, one of the hardest things I find is going into a Pathfinder group because I find that the, uh, a, a bad and a good character has so much degrees in between that I find it hard to figure out how optimize or good a group is so i don't stand out and sometimes i'm afraid of standing out because then everyone kind of gives that oh how much damage did you okay okay and they all look at me and there's there's shame they're trying to shame me and then yeah which in your group was always a badge of honor but I... <laughs> <laughs> I <know. laughs> so what do you guys think sure. so I have the... oh, something ahead. to weigh in on on the table on tabletop wise so tabletops, LARPs, and other games are different. Uh, Tabletop-wise, if you are bringing in a character sheet and you aren't familiar, if you aren't familiar with the people you're playing with, in my opinion, one of the things that I like to do is I like to talk about my build and what I plan on doing because that sets up with the others what I am doing. And one thing that I saw in my personal experience, I sat down to play a D&D game with a few other people and one person at the table was just like, all right, so I'm gonna see how many D D6 I can stack on this sneak attack. And um, another person at the table was playing a rogue and that other person just looked at that other person like, oh no. And I think that one of the challenges of the optimization is a challenge in making sure that if you like just being like I want to see how high I can set the bar you know tell the people that there's nothing wrong with just being like I want to see how high I can set the bar because using D&D as a, as as an example is uh Gary Gygax uh you created the t uh Tomb of Horrors to find all of the care optimized optimized players who are just like I have built the God character and he created that adventure to say, let me see if you can last. And that is the reason he built that is because it's not necessarily that it's a ha ha ha. It doesn't matter who is a optimized character, who is an optimized player or not. It just, he decided to build this for the people who enjoy that because he was like, you want to play the arms race? Here is something fun for you to play. And uh, something good about, you know, character optimization that I've seen in my tabletopping experiences, a lot of people who come new to the game, or at least uh, come to the tabletop is like, how, what, what can I do with this? I'm not really familiar in seeing people who know those optimizations and know the way to build, build a character that that person really wants. And they see that they're able to confidently 
and competently accomplish what they want to achieve, that is what is really great about uh, optimization from my standpoint, is seeing that person being like, okay, 60% of the time, I can do what I set out to do. My character is competent. Well, preferably higher than 60, but it was just random over here. So uh, I think that in at least the tabletop setting, that that is a problem and a benefit to character optimization is that you can either hurt your group by not telling them what you're doing, or you can just help your group by showing them fun ways to do what they want and and even actually work together to create something even more ridiculous and fun. So, so what I will say is, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad you addressed this point early on, the idea of, you know, the solution for games or whatever, we always talk about how to run games more effectively. And the truth is there are a lot of different kinds of game. Because, and, and this actually goes back to another problem that I kind of have with a lot of the way we discuss these questions in gaming right now, where we say, you know, the key to solving this is communication. We've said, I've said it literally in this stream, but there is, there's a challenge behind that that I think we often miss, which is I can honestly communicate to you my intent and you can honestly communicate to me your intent. And we both believe we understand one another and we're both wrong. Uh, the, the most salient example I can give is Pathfinder related. I had an SD or a DM come to me. This was a couple of years ago uh, for a little game. He was running locally for a couple of our friends, just kind of a work kind of thing. Super cool. And I'm like, Hey, you know, how long have you been running Pathfinder? It's like, Oh, for like 10 years. Cool. Experienced DM experienced player. It's going to be a great time. And I was like, so what books, you know, what books are you looking to have in this game? And he goes, everything. We're going to have everything included. It's going to be awesome. So I hear that as someone who's been playing Pathfinder for about 10 years and knows that each book is an added layer of go fuck yourself. I was like, oh, he's saying this is going to be one of those ridiculous like arena campaigns where it's just you bring your crew, I'll bring my crew and it's pistols at dawn. So I built for that. It's a 15th level campaign. I walk in there with a mage who just is a dragon. That's what he does for a living. He's just like, all right, the fight starts, dragon. And kills things. And he comes in and like the antagonists are like quicklings and like low level fey. And he just wanted every book because he wanted all of the cool themes to mishmash into this like multi-setting game. I heard all the books and was eating his gods. And we were both honest. And we both thought we were building the same kind of game together through every stage. But the truth is that we just fundamentally saw the game differently. And that, that was a problem. That is, again, that goes back to that inherent divide between, you know, how, how people have gotten into role-playing and how they have played their games over time. You know, for the first, you know, 20-some-odd years of, of role-playing, the, my, my group of friends and I, like, we read the books, we, we, we read the rules, we had a basic idea of how Thaco worked, and, or we had an idea of how Thaco worked, and, and <laughs> do, like, weapon proficiencies and weapon proficiencies and what they did and all that jazz, but when it got right down to it, we just wanted to tell a story about our characters, and whatever flaws occurred because of the um, unoptimized way we built the character were just the flaws in the character that we role played out and had these failings and whatnot. And then as, as I've grown into, as I began to experience individuals who 
we're optimizing and we're going for um, what I perceived as trying to win a game that wasn't really winnable. Because to me, when you're telling these, when you're role-playing, telling these stories, it's, it's not meant to win the story. It's just meant to tell this experience of this individual. And all these, these optimizers, rules, layers, min-maxers, what have you, would try and win something that I didn't think was winnable. And it, threw, it, it, it shifted my, my, my enjoyment of the game significantly in that manner. For me, um, when I first started playing, I was not an optimizer. I, I probably had the same view that a lot of people have of looking down on them and missing the point. Uh, th thinking that they were missing the point of the game. And then I played my first character in a large LARP. And I was playing a gritty, murderous, avenging, played completely straight warrior thug who genuinely, by the books, could not kill a squirrel. And I don't mean, like, if he tried to kill a squirrel, he would fail. I mean, the squirrel would eat his face off because I had so fundamentally misunderstood how the system worked. I want my characters to be able to fail. I want to not know where the story is going to go, but I want to be intentional about it. When I make a character, I want to be able to say, this character is good at these things, and is bad at these things. And always optimization comes down to that simple question for me. What am I good at? What am I bad at? And oftentimes, you know, optimization will open up possibilities. I can decide now when I make a character, I am going to play the person who is striving to become the greatest swordsman of his generation and has sacrificed everything for that. And I, I do think that I have then a responsibility to role play a person who has sacrificed everything in pursuit of this single goal. And I can also say, you know, I want to play a, a middling mage who is uh, decent at a bunch of stuff and has a couple of weird ambitions and a couple of cool tricks. And other than that, just hangs out and doesn't die. But optimization will always come down to defining how my character exists in this world. And it is, I remember the first time you told me that, Jacob, and it was that, it was actually that moment that I began to understand the difference between how I perceived min-maxers, because I just, and, uh, appreciated the perspective of optimization. Um, and I, I wholly do enjoy that vision of optimization. I don't think in my memory, aside, I'll be, I'll be pretty honest, aside from meeting you lot, I've not seen that perspective very many optimizers. And that is, that's something worth it. And I find myself taking contradictory points to my own viewpoints pretty often in this stream. But that is something that happens a lot. I think a lot of people have that experience with MinMax. I think a lot of people have that experience with me of, you know, 
you can say that these are the philosophies with which you approach the game. But when I was interacting with Joe and I wanted, I was playing a thug and he was playing a thug. He kicked me off a balcony without actually ever bothering to look at me. And, and that affected the way they were able to enjoy that game. And they also want the idea to be that if they say to the storyteller, I'm good at X, the storyteller agrees, which when we say we share the belief in the rules of physics, that's really what we're saying is that the storyteller and I believe the same thing. And so if the player and the storyteller both agree that this character is a badass thug with his 15 fucking brawl and he's going to take down elders with that and then I walk in with some bruja and just use him as a martini shaker, like that's going to be an upsetting experience for that person. And it may not be that I'm being, you know, a bad player or they're being a bad player. We're both saying to each other in the scene, thinking we understand one another, I am too big to mess with. And they're saying, I am too big to mess with. And then we both swing and one of us was right. And it's a problem. Like that, that, that creates a, a broken trust between us. Regardless of anyone's intent, they, they now view me as the person who, and I, I brought this up specifically because someone in the comments mentioned like, it can be frustrating to play with optimizing players when you're like, this is what my character does. And they say as nicely as they might say it, oh, well, your mechanics suck. And that does happen. A player comes up to me and they're like, oh yeah, I built the character who like, I don't know, has the most attacks per turn. And they throw three. I'm like, oh, well, have you considered? And then everything else I say just comes across as a critique and makes them feel like I'm, I'm showing off. And, and that's a valid perspective to have. And it's a, that's not something that we can just communicate around easily. Having been on the receiving end of that, not from you, Joe, but historically, um, I can say that is, a, that is an accurate sentiment, that, that having, having someone, and see this, this, only, this has happened most in LARP just because LARP is so large these days and so communal versus your tabletops, which is just your friends around the table generally you guys know each other. Like when you're sitting around a table, tabletop, everybody knows everybody, you know, your rule sets, you know, who likes to do what with their characters and everyone's got the type. But when you're talking about, you know, a hundred people, 200 people, a thousand people and two people walk into the same room and they both are claiming to be the biggest badasses in that room. Someone's going to be the bigger badass. And it could be two optimized people, or it could be two non-optimized people, or it could be an, a non-optimized versus an optimized. And it's that non-optimized versus optimized which really gets to the the crux of of the problem, um, because there is that there is this unnecessary and unintended um, uh, patronization that can occur. Um, because someone walks in, that non-optimized person is like, I'm just here to tell the story about how I'm this, you know, cool fighter, or I'm this great wizard, or I'm this what have you. And then they get schooled. And their entire view of the world that they were living in has been rewritten. When you're playing a badass, you're fine losing, but you still want to feel cool while you're going down. Right. Going up against someone who has just built their character objectively better than you. Yeah, you, you start to you question the the very framework of the character you were playing. It makes your story feel invalid. 
Right. And then that gets into this, this underlying belief that, or it gets into now this game that I have enjoyed because it is played, it, it has been constructed in and done in my quote unquote worldview has now fundamentally shifted. And this game is no longer fun for me. So I actually, I kind of have two conflicting stories on this subject that I think I, I just kind of want to try and address my perspective on it um, and actually represent my own thoughts. And I think in this stream, um, so, so both times are actually at the hands of Rob Paul, uh, which I think is fun. For those of you who don't know him, Rob Paul's a really fantastic LARPer and he runs a lot of really big games, blockbusters, stuff like that. Um, but I knew him in the before times when he was the guy that I called a min-maxing douchebag from DC. And I called him that for like a year. And, and that was mean, but it was from a place of honesty. And so the kind of the two stories of it, um, I was playing my very first LARP character in, uh, in an organized club. He was a gangrel. And he was of the opinion that he was a badass. He was not a badass. In my local game, he did fine because nobody else was really mechanical at the time either. But when I went to DC and started an argument, they literally picked their weakest dude to beat me up. And that was pretty hurtful. I'm not going to lie. But I played this character for about eight months and I did a bunch of stuff and I really enjoyed the politics of the character. He was an idiot, but I really enjoyed playing him anyway. And he ended up dying when... Rob's character figured out something I had done, not really important what, other than to say it was a bad move and I deserved to be killed for it. So he and a couple of his friends corner me outside at the game and he goes, hey, did you do X? And I give a villainous monologue like, yeah, bitch, I did it. What? And then he killed me really <laughs> fast. Like way faster than you think a person could be killed. And I was, I was furious. Like, I wasn't upset my character died. I expected him to die. I was curious that my character died looking like a child trying to fight his dad. And it, it made me, as a player, just kind of feel less. And that sucked. And that was a miserable experience. And I didn't want anything to do with Rob for a while. And he probably doesn't remember that day. Because he wasn't mean. He wasn't, he didn't, it was no unusual experience. I was, just took it to heart. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, years, almost five years later, Rob is running Arcane Man Art game in, in Baltimore. And we're near the end of the Chronicle, and I have since then gotten very, as some of you may know, into mechanics. And he's running this fight with all of our players and a couple of visitors at our last big event, and it's this giant Blood Brother. And for those of you who've never played the game, a Blood Brother is basically like if the Hulk took steroids. And he's got a character who's playing one of someone important to me, pinned down and no one can get past it because these blood brothers are bidding just go fuck yourself numbers for a fuckload of damage and you can't hurt them they're they're a nightmare if they're done correctly and i walked in there with my elder toreador and a handkerchief and this handkerchief was made by a toreador with a toreador mechanic that says you have to spend a willpower to ignore the emotion associated with this item so i waited until the fight was over because it was specific clause in the mechanics and then I held up my handkerchief of peace and I walked through the lair. And it was honestly one of the coolest moments I've ever had in my gaming career. I didn't beat this thing in honorable combat. I just outthought it with a very specific mechanic that only worked 
because of really detailed quirks of the system. And so I had gone from that perspective of like using the mechanics to this extent is, is mean spirited and makes people feel less to it creates this incredible opportunity to do something legitimately cool. I think stories like that. Oh, uh, so I uh, um, think that those situations are more likely uh, acceptable and occur in a LARP scenario just because, again, of that large, because the groups are so large, the, the nature is that you have to maintain that common framework of reality. I think when you're getting into um, like Pathfinder Chronicle sort of uh, experiences, those might become a little bit more, um, I don't know, I, I guess naive perspective I, I have maybe is that those would become a bit more um, insulting or perceived insulting to a player when situations like that occur. Like you don't, because, because those tabletops tend to be more intimate in that setting um, and, and again, this personal experience, right? The, the story has, off, has historically trumped any mechanic in, in my background. Um, I don't know. It, it just seems like that, that if those experiences, and again, I, I actually appreciate, you know, uh, Riley um, when, I was, when I was playing, when I started playing with you guys. I thought when I, when I first met Riley, I was like, oh God, it's a min-maxer. This guy's going to be a douche. And I was completely wrong. Completely wrong. I, no, no. I'm, the, character, the character himself was a douche. <laughs> the player, however, uh, was not. Um, and I thought you executed the use of optimization extremely well in terms of enforcing uh, a, a uh, social structure that was completely player generated and you use that optimization to enforce that structure admittedly based on Riley's worldview to some extent but you know I walked in I walked into that game not optimized at all and Jacob can attest to that like that character um, from from your guys perspective was trash I'm guessing um, so you had dominate uh, yeah, I mean, I, that was my, that was kind of a thing. shortcut for a good machine. <laughs> Fair, <laughs> but but the way the way I, I had always expected Riley to to come down and murder face my character at some point, just because again historically and in in that very world that had happened previously. Um, but through a series of role playing scenes that that Riley and Smith had. There was this weird uh, camaraderie that formed, whether through insanity or not. Um, they, they were so perfectly the opposite of each other. That there was just this like, I don't understand what you do, but I respect it. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, again, it was one of those moments in 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 my gaming career, so to speak, where this that it began to blur my perception of rules playing optimization versus role playing and how it can optimization can aid in the role playing uh, side of things if it is done appropriately and if it is not heavy handed april um 
I think that all of the perspectives given kind of really makes me realize that um, this whole idea comes from players who have bad experiences because my first experience with character optimization is actually vastly different. I went to my first LARP and I wanted to create a character. I have no, never played D&D before. I've never played a table. Well, yeah, I've never played a tabletop before. I was just a free writer. Like I no games. And my friend was like, do you want to come dress up and play pretend? I was like, that sounds like fucking fun. Where do I sign up? And that's where I came in to my first LARP. And they're like, okay, we're making the sheet. And I was like, time out. What's that mean? And they gave me, and I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, no, we use mechanics. And I knew the, I knew the concept of, you know, playing like tabletop games and everything like that. Uh, because I was into other types of gaming. And I was like, okay. Well, I want to do this. They're like, no, 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 we'll make the sheet for you. I was like, okay. Clearly, I need help. And that's the truth. If you haven't read the book, you probably need help. Um, and then I get to the game and uh, the ST says, we're going to go do something. And I'm like, that sounds like my call for going to do something. And I turn to the person next to me and I'm like, okay, so what do these numbers do? Because I don't know what this means. And they're like, no, 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 the numbers don't matter on your sheet. Stop. You're... So we just put this thing called striking looks on your sheet. It's fine. You're a girl. You'll just go do that and you don't need to do combat and you just don't worry about the numbers the sts will tell you what to do just honey don't worry and it was just very condescending the whole experience was just super negative i get sit down in this combat and they're just like well we'll just take your sheet for you and we'll let you know how damaged or not your character gets i'm like this sounds really fucking boring i don't know why i'm doing this and um I get frustrated because I'm like, why, why is everybody else doing so much better? Like, I don't understand what's going on. And so eventually I learned mechanics because I was really tired of going to other players who had been uh, LARPing, who had been role-playing, who had D&D experience, who had all this experience and being like, so can I, can I get something that does something? I don't, they're like, no, 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 honey, character sheets don't matter. You don't, you're never going to, like, it's not ever going to matter. It's never going to matter, honey. Like, stop. And it just comes from this super condescending, like, feel that I was just like, why? Why do, why do I not get, why am I not allowed to do things? I don't understand. Like, why would I not want to do things? Why would I not want to be good at doing things? So, um, you know, and yeah, you're you're right. Even if I tried to read the, read the book, I would have needed help. But again, new person always needs help. But it's all those older players that came to me and are like, no, if you care too much about mechanics here, you won't have fun because then you won't care about story. I'm like, no, 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 no. I have this story. I've already read. I already have the entire story written here. I just, if we're, if you involve a sheet that, and it has numbers, then why would I not want good ones? I don't understand the logic. And that's kind of my very first game of ever like existing with numbers in general is just a bunch of people being like, yeah, but numbers really just don't matter. And that's why I 
generally have followed the path of character optimization is because there was just that expectation of well you're it'll you're gonna be inconsequential no matter what so don't bother and like eventually I I went to a different place where numbers didn't matter and I could do these things and still play the story I wanted to play I was going to play the same person no matter what with the same story. I just, mm-hmm. I wanted to feel like I was allowed to sit at the table with everybody else while not feeling like somebody's going to take something away from me because, honey, you dressed up in a dress. Why are you at this table trying to play monsters? Like, and it was just very, that was my experience. And that is why I have the feelings that I have is because most of my experience has come from the assumption that I don't know anything and I come from that opposite perspective of even though I started out I was very much I have always like I came from the place of creating a character first creating a story creating goals creating all this and then slapping a sheet together but for me if I'm going to play in something with numbers why would I not want to have the numbers accomplish what I want to accomplish? So that's kind of been my experience. And I know that a lot of people come into these games and sometimes they get raffle stomped and they feel just condescended to. And it's the way that people condescend to other people that really can violently put you, or it's not violently, but really strongly put you on one side or the other. Because for me, it was, well, you're a girl, so you're not going to care about mechanics go over there and I'm like okay well I guess this is a fight because that's just the kind of person I am is if you're like well because of that because you are this then this and I'm like okay well let me stab this in the face just to prove you wrong because that's my personality but everybody has different personalities coming into games and it's just when we when it go going back to the core of the discussion of whether or not, not it makes a good somebody a good good or bad player, perhaps the idea is perspective is really nice in removing the idea that again telling somebody they're a story player or they're a mechanics player just to me is just so alien because why are you role playing if you don't have a character? <laughs> so that's my little rant. What I would say there, and it's something that I think is is a good way to kind of bridge some conversational gaps, I actually not that long ago um, had the same experience that a lot of people have had with me at a at a game. I went to Dystopia Rising. This I guess I say not that long ago. It was a couple of years ago now. Uh, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dystopia Rising, and I was there. I, I love combat. It's one of my favorite things to do. I like to think I'm pretty good at it but I just love doing it even when I'm getting my ass kicked. It's just fun. It's like exercise that I don't And so I went to Dystopia Rising, and I was just rushing headlong into everything. And a lot of those fights, I spent most of my time dodging, because at least if they didn't hit me, I wouldn't auto-explode. But that is what it is. But I was really enjoying the game, and I was enjoying these crazy hard fights that I wasn't really that useful in, because it was just fun to be a part of what was going on. So it's you know that's my friday experience and i love it i'm in like 10 fights in like 30 minutes like i'm just going going absolutely ham and then those fights kind of die off and people start 
playing with just the groups of people they know game kind of simmers down and I spend all day Saturday just kind of walking around not really doing anything I don't have anybody to interact with and the, that night comes and a group of people that I was kind of having a conversation with starting to build up a little rapport are like hey we gotta go we're gonna go fight this big monster thing Joe, you, you, you've lost it. I like the finger gun. Okay, sorry. Oh. Yeah, you, we lost you for a, a little bit, Joe. Yeah, you were you were stuck on finger gun. <laughs> yeah, so start from finger gun again. <laughs> you were like, boom, pose. Made it to about Saturday. Okay, I made it to about Saturday. And it was awesome. Friday night was really cool. Saturday, I'm just kind of wandering around, not really doing much of anything, because a lot of those fights tapered off. People were doing role play with people they knew. They were just kind of in their own little groups. So I, I didn't have much to do. That night, I was hanging out with this group of people. They were really cool. We were having a good time. We are having a conversation. And about, you know, just kind of in the middle of our chat, somebody walks in, says something to the guy in charge. And go, he goes, oh, shit, we've got to go. I was like, what's going on? It's like, oh, we've got to go fight this giant, crazy, evil monster over here. I was like, that sounds fucking awesome. Can I come? Like, I'll be your bat boy. Like, I know I'm probably not going to be that useful to this thing, but... I'd like to say, you know, I was there when, I knew them when kind of thing. Just, I want to be involved in what's going on. And he was like, I'm sorry, dude, but we can't bring you along because, you know, people are going to try and protect you and heal you or whatever. And this thing is swinging for enough damage that even if it doesn't hit you, you probably die. Like, you'll get there, immediately die, and possibly cause us to lose the fight. Which, tactically, that was the only call he could make. He was right. Like, my presence was a, was dangerous to those characters. And in a game, you know, he's playing their leader. He should make calls like that. But out of character, like, that immediately sucked the fun out of that weekend for me. I had no desire to go on combats. I didn't want to interact with these people who I'd been enjoying it. Because so I was like, why? Like, I'm, I'm at the kids' table. That's not fun for me. I'm not enjoying this experience anymore. And I think that's something that comes up a lot of, like, even with the absolute best intentions and honest communication, a mechanical, you know, optimizing kind of player can really make other players feel uncomfortable and, and feel even unwelcome. And it's not their fault. They're not doing something mean, but it's, it's a legitimate problem that I think when we talk about, you know, I'm not a bad person because I optimize my character. I don't think anyone's actually mad about the numbers. Well, that's not true. A lot of ridiculous and silly people are pissed that you're good at stuff. That's a fact. People suck. The species mostly exists because of murder and theft. So, like, that's a problem. But I think that most of the people who are acting in good faith aren't mad that you're good at stuff. They're mad that you make them feel like they can't be. And just flat out, there are people who suck at math and will never build a strong sheep. There are people who can't remember those rules and just will never do it effectively. And they might get a couple of cool tricks, but at the end of the day, if we're talking about this, this relationship between players and STs and the ST brings out that Tomb of Horrors, which is my favorite game in the world. I love it. I play it at conventions with people like we're all drinking buddies. Cause like, if you're a Tomb of Horrors player, like, you know, the first door, you know, which paintings will kill you. Like it's, there's camaraderie there, yeah. but people who can't play in Tomb of Horrors will always feel outside of that table. And I think that's something that we can easily lose when we're having this conversation. And it's, it's 
disingenuous not to address that. Yeah. Uh, so real quick, we are coming up at the end of our time. Uh, so what we're going to do is we'll start with April, kind of go backwards. So April, uh, Jacob, Mr. Smith, uh, then Joe. Uh, so we have been talking about kind of the disconnect between new players or just players who aren't great at optimizing versus optimizers and kind of like the disconnect that creates these. I hate optimizers and such like that. Uh, so we'll, we'll go through and just kind of your final remarks concerning this whole thing. Obviously this won't be the last time we do this, but final remarks as well as some advice for people who are either on the optimizing side or on the other side, just, just to kind of make it a better environment for everyone. Uh, so starting with April. Um, my final remarks going into this is actually an experience I have, starting with an experience I had with Mr. Smith, uh, and your character you played with my character, and the fact that you came to me one day, uh, and said, so I was gonna have that scene with you, and I'm pretty sure you're gonna kill my character, and then it went a different way, and I think that really encapsulates why I have such strong feelings on people who optimize characters because for me it's always I I love I tabletop because I I want to have fun and I think that the whole point of gaming is to have fun and I think that both perspectives equally want to have fun I think that the my in my closing remarks about optimization is if you are in a situation um, wherein you're dealing with people who are optimizing their characters and that's going to be the game that you're playing in and it, you are 100% allowed to feel frustrated because if you're if you're the person that you just want you build a certain way and you don't build optimized characters but you go into a game where you see uh, Joe with his tomb of horrors buddies just being like this and you want to go there because you know you're going to have fun then sometimes it takes a little bit of self-reflection to just go to those people and say, hey, I'm not going to have fun because you guys optimize characters. Could you give me some advice to better me myself? And for optimized players going into games, for example, there are Nordic LARPs, there are, there are different style games and different style games exist for a reason because everybody's allowed to have a different play style and it shows the best in board games. You, you either love or hate risk. You have a feeling, you have, you have feels about that. But um, if, you're an opt if you have an optimized character and you come into a game wherein people are starting to get frustrated with you, you need to talk to those people. It, everything takes a matter of self-reflection and um, something that can do well for any community you're in, whether or not it's your tabletop game, whether or not it's your LARP community, or you just go to a game store. If people are frustrated with you or you are frustrated with people, find, reflect on that and talk to them. And uh, advice that I have is it is not fun to realize that sometimes you're the problem. And it's also it's okay to be angry that other people are just running over the rails with you. Like it, it's it's not fun. There are going to be times in gaming that you're not going to have fun, but 
the most important thing you can do besides just, you know, addressing bad behaviors, most important thing you can do is knowing where you are in LARP and knowing where you are in tabletop and knowing where reading the people around you because if you want to have fun and you want your friends to have fun then constantly check in with yourself that is my advice awesome all right jacob so i started this uh stream when i when i introduced myself i talked about how my process for building a character is very dependent on a sheet and the advice that I would share is that there is always a question that I ask when I'm putting together a character and when I'm building the sheet and thinking about who they are as a person. The question that I ask is, what does this person do? What do they offer to the world around them? What are they supposed to be able to accomplish? What are they good for in their party? What are they good for in the world? And the answer to your question, I don't care what that answer is. I don't care if you are building a character to be a thug. I don't care if you're building to be the greatest gourmet chef on the planet. I don't care if you're building to be a socialite who genuinely can't accomplish anything in the, if, if you're going into a Pathfinder combat team and you're building a face. I don't care. You need to be able to answer that question, whatever answer you give. And the way that you build your character should be based around what that answer is. And to people who are optimizers, the advice that I would give is you are a resource for your game. It's very easy for, for objections to, to become uh, condensation. Uh, we talked about that. But... Condescension. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> it's very easy to, to accidentally condescend to, to players. But I would, I would encourage you to frame it in those terms when offering advice or help. Ask players, what do you want this character to be able to do? In your mind, what are they good at? How, how powerful are they? What are they supposed to be able to accomplish? And see if you can make suggestions from there. If you want to be able to be this kind of wizard, you might try looking at these spells. Um, it, it, it's all, all optimization is, at the end of the day, is fitting the sheet to the character. The two things need to match. Otherwise, neither of them, when, when those two things clash, it will affect your enjoyment of the game. All right, cool. Uh, Mr. Smith, final words? Um, my final words will go to my fellow role players out there. Do not hate upon those optimizers and squirrely little ways. Um, no, in all seriousness, we role play to explore new characters, to explore new aspects of ourselves and behaviors and 
avatars and creations that we enjoyed to read or, or make up on our own. Use that empathy that you can learn through role playing to understand why someone would go the optimization route or how that level of optimization can assist in role play. Um, and be honest with both yourself, as April mentioned, with your DM and with your other players. Um, we always talk about knowing the audience as a GM, but uh, as April pointed out, you got to know your audience if you're another player too. Know your party, know the, the players that you're playing with and understand what their play styles are. Um, I game with Mitchell on a pretty regular basis and I would say we're, we, we kind of run on both ends of that spectrum, not necessarily extreme per se, but I think we, we melted together pretty well. Um, so yeah, take the empathy you learn through role playing, put yourself in their shoes. On the flip side, optimizers, don't be so hardcore sometimes. Be willing to kind of set the table and go, okay, maybe this isn't the game for me, or, you know, okay, that rule was a little off, but I'm going to be cool with that. We can talk about it later to make me feel better. Um, so yeah, just be chill, be cool with each other, be excellent. All right, and finally, Joe. So final statement and advice will be separate. Uh, the final statement, and I, I hope that I have done a good job to the people who um, don't agree with me on, on whether or not it's good to optimize for character sheets. I, I, I commented to Jacob before we came on the stream that the proposed title was a little rough uh, because of the fact that optimization equals bad player. You as a person, as, as a moral person, probably don't assume that a single character quality makes someone suck. There are some out there, but probably not many. And so I, I want, I really, it was important to me coming into this to make sure that I represent, like, I do understand honestly what your problems with people who optimize are. I get it. It is, it's really fucking hard to tell a story about a big evil monster if I'm one of your players, because I am going to swing. I might die but I'm going to swing. And that's not just about the optimized character. That's about how I enjoy roleplay. I am here to play a hero every single game. That hero may be a bad person, but I'm here to play someone who gets stories written about them because I believe fundamentally, just like writing fiction is an And we do these things because we want to represent something. And maybe what you want to represent is a ne'er-do-well 30-something dropout who's never accomplished anything. And it is important for you, be it for, for experimentalism or catharsis or what it might be, to experience that character. But I believe that you want to experience that character fully. And that's what I'm trying to do with the characters I play. So that's my final statement. And it basically is not a rejection of the premise that optimization has nothing to do with whether or not you're a good or bad player. And that's my advice as well to everyone absent their sheet what kind of person are they because in gaming we've talked about we've repeatedly talked about communication here and april really drove it home really effectively that the key there is having that open and honest communication but it, the key the thing to get is that you're not communicating with a character you need to look at the person absent gaming and say is this a good person based on how I know them and how I've experienced them? And if they are, treat them like a good person and try and communicate to them 
in the assumption they're acting in good faith. And if someone, and I will say, it's probably a higher proportion of optimizers than non-optimizers, is being a dick. It's not because they're good at math. It's because they're a dick. <laughs> and you should hate them for being a dick. Absent every other <laughs> Engage them as a person. And if the person they are is good, try and figure out the good faith reason they made the choices they did. And if the person they are is bad, don't play with a bad person. All right, awesome, awesome stuff. <laughs> Sorry, I, it's. <laughs> I like that ending. Don't play with dick people. That is what we command. <laughs> uh, so uh for everyone watching uh thank you so much for for checking out i had a lot of fun listening to these guys uh and thank you guys uh uh for for bringing in your insight your expertise uh you guys were amazing uh i loved it um and i really do appreciate it uh for those who uh what bring us back anytime Yes. All right. All right. Tonight at one. Let's, let's do it. I never want to talk with these people ever talk. again. <laughs> Great. I'm always down for another fight. Yeah. <laughs> Next time we roll initiative. <laughs> um, so uh, Monday, uh, once again at 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time, we are playing Lexicultum. I encourage you guys to check it out. I'll be posting more on my Facebook. Uh, I know my Nightbot has put out many of the stuff you can subscribe to us for, uh, support us, etc. Uh, if you want to see more of this type of stuff. Uh, so once again, you know, thank you guys for coming. This is uh, Penny for a Tell. I'm Mitchell. These awesome people you know, you love. Uh, and uh, let's all give them a round of applause. Thanks for having us. <laughs> you guys have a great night.